0: You're listening to Packers Talk
1: Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, serving you up quick hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers news update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We are excited to look ahead to what feels like a bit of a bye week versus the Jacksonville Jaguars after our team flew out to San Francisco and absolutely stomped the 49ers. Gil, we're not going to spend a lot of time today talking about the 49ers game, but real quick, how did that make you feel?
0: You know, I was just about to say, that that felt good. And yeah, it it was a depleted 49ers team, but after traveling out to California three times last year, and getting beaten badly in all three games, looked like the Packers almost didn't show up to play, to go out to the... West Coast on a short week and take care of business and have that big lead after three quarters, uh, to me, it just felt good. And after losing two out of three, getting back on track, it it was a welcomed addition to the schedule to to just beat up on the 49ers a little bit and get back on track.
1: Final score was 34 to 17. But anybody who saw the game would tell you it was not actually that close. In fact, the Packers just gave up two touchdowns in garbage time at the end because they wanted to get the game over. 31 to0 really was, uh, or 31 to3 was really the, uh, really the real score uh, for, for this game. And yeah, like you said, they were missing a lot of their players, but so were we. And as I said last week, this was a game Lafleur needed to win. If he is the guy, This is not a game that you just kind of half-heartedly show up to. And it was also a revenge game. You know, they humiliated us twice last year, ended our dreams of a Super Bowl. This was exactly what I was hoping to see from the Packers. One thing that did stand out to me was the heavy usage of Aaron Jones. We were not really sure if he was going to be able to play. Uh, We had Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams as the only real running backs that the team had. We were, you and I were talking about scenarios where you know, do we hand the ball off to John Lovett, which they did at the end of the game. Yes. On on what you know was basically glorified kneel downs. Um, but I I I was happy that we <laughs> called that one correctly. But Aaron Jones was in fact activated for this game, and he had a lot of carries, and I was nervous um about that going in however it seems like he was fine and Aaron Jones um actually comments afterwards that he felt great um he loved running the ball that much Matt LaFleur held him out for a few weeks clearly with the goal of keeping him healthy for the playoffs let's see if that pays off I think it really will there's no question that our offense looks radically different without him he would be very sorely missed in the playoffs. So I'm happy with the final result here.
0: Very happy. And, you know, I like what they did also. They gave Aaron Jones the ball on the first four offensive plays, establishing right away he's a part of our game plan. We're going to be active with him. And then, you know, by the time the lead was accumulated, they sort of let up on him and paced him a little bit more later in the game. And I thought that was smart as well. So I I like the way Matt LaFleur came out, moved the sticks, got Jones involved early, and it paid dividends right away.
1: And it wasn't like the other running backs were invisible either. Tyler Irvin um, got quite a decent number of carries. Dexter looked really good when he was running the ball. Unfortunately, we have now lost Dexter to an injury. He's going to be out for at least four weeks, but... The Packers needed to replace him on the practice squad. They signed a guy that um, you and I both really like, uh, Mike Weber from Ohio State. Yep. He was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 2019, spent some time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of those are some pretty crowded backfields, and there just was not any room for him to get any real touches. So if you're not really standing out in training camp and blowing people away, and remember, there was no... Uh, no preseason this year, of course, this is a guy who I think still, there, there's still some reasons to expect that he might have a lot to offer. Uh, I really did like him a lot at Ohio state. He had 5.9 yards per carry, nothing to sneeze at at all. Wishing Dexter a very speedy recovery, but in his absence, I like having Mike Weber here and I hope we hold on to him once Dexter returns.
0: Yeah, I I would like to see that as well. And look, he'll have, if, if Dexter is out for at least four weeks, he'll have a month to learn the playbook and prove to the coaches that he belongs. And look, uh, hopefully you have Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon back and you won't need to go that far down the depth chart, but it's good to know that you have some talent there if you need it. And, and again, with running backs, as far as getting extended playing time in the Matt LaFleur offense, It's not just your ability to run the football. You've got to catch passes, and you've got to protect the quarterback. Otherwise, you're probably sitting on the bench.
1: I could not have said it any better myself. Good news. uh, Just now, the injury report updated for the Packers and uh, for the Jaguars this week. So we can actually break down some of that as well. We're going to start off with Jair Alexander. His game status for this Sunday looks pretty doubtful. Uh, he did not participate yesterday or today. I uh, believe he has been dealing with a concussion. But David Bakhtiari, left tackle, full pra- full participation two days in a row, looks pretty good. Uh, Matt Lafleur did kind of leave it up in the air a little bit. You know, he he never answers many questions directly, but uh, he did say that Bakhtiari was heading was trending in the right direction. And with Rick Wagner not participating at all. Seems pretty likely that we could see Bakhtiari back at left tackle, bump Billy Turner over to right again. Also, um, we did have um, an absence today. Zadarius Smith was not at practice, but it was not injury-related. Welcomed a new son into the world, Xavion Grayson Smith. Beautiful baby. So we're really happy for that addition to the Packers family. Gil, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. The, the Jaguars are not a great team right now. But there are some things that we should be concerned about here.
0: Yeah, no question. Uh, look, they're one in seven. They've lost seven games in a row after beating the Colts opening day. But they're not without some skill and some ability. And the guy who has me worried the most on this offense right now is running back James Robinson. Absolutely. He's a rookie. He's got 580 yards through eight games on pace for you know more than 1,100 yards, averaging 4.4 yards a pop. He's only 5'10", but he's 225. So he's one of those low-to-the-ground, tough-to-bring-down kind of runners. And the way the Packers sometimes struggle to wrap up opposing ball carriers and complete their tackles, it's got me a little bit worried. And the the thing is, Robinson has put up these numbers on a team that's 1-7 and seven and is often trying to play catch-up football in the second half of games. If he were on a team that was even 500 right now, I'm afraid to see how good his running statistics would be. And look, we we all know the Packers don't emphasize stopping the run, and they've struggled to stop the run. And every Packer fan I know just has images of Dalvin Cook running past everybody uh-huh. again, and we just don't want to go there.
1: Yeah, if you can believe it, uh, Robinson is actually the fourth Highest scoring running back in fantasy football, uh, behind only Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry. So that is that's some pretty good company he's keeping up there. And uh, I mean his his uh, very first um, game, you know, opening week against the Colts, 62 rushing yards, 28 receiving yards, made a big difference. And the, the team has struggled to get anything going since then. This week they're going to be missing Gardner Minshew. Uh, they are going to start um, Jake Luton again. He started last week against the Texans. He put up a pretty good performance last week. Luton is a sixth round pick this year. Um, he's a, a big guy, six foot six, two twenty five. He had, a, like, like I said, he had a, a pretty good week last year. His second throw, and, and this is his first game ever, by the way. So his second throw ever in the NFL was a 73-yard touchdown to DJ Chark. At the end of the day, he had one touchdown, one interception, one fumble that was recovered by the Jaguars, and he had 304 passing yards. Genuinely, this is a stat line that if Tom Brady put it up, nobody would, would blink an eye.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you look at this game on paper, and it's a game the Packers really should win. Uh, by straight yardage, the, the Jaguars' defense is 27th against the run, 28th against the pass and 31st overall by average yards per game. That's not going to get the job done. The Packers have a future Hall of Fame quarterback playing at an MVP level in Aaron Rodgers. The Jaguars have a sixth round draft choice rookie starting his second NFL game in Jake Luton. So there are definite advantages on paper for the Packers. But you know what? The Packers cannot afford to take this or any other game lightly. They got to go out there, take care of business, and not let the Jaguars hang around and start feeling like they've got a chance to win this football game.
1: Like you said, terrible defense. They also have a pretty bad offensive line. Jake Luton should, if Mike Pretton can bring the heat, should be on his back for a lot of the day. Jacksonville has, this is terrible, the 30th out of 32 teams the 30th best pass-blocking offensive line. Their run-blocking offensive line is ranked sixth. So no question at all, advantage Packers if you can keep them throwing the ball all day and not let them hand the rock off to James Robinson all day long.
0: Usually I want the Packers to lose the toss and to defer, uh, you know, to win the toss and defer so the other team gets the ball first. I wouldn't mind getting the ball first in this game, marching right down the field. The Packers have actually scored on their first drive in all eight games this year. Mm -hmm. If we could do it in a ninth and put Jacksonville back seven, nothing, you know, right away, that changes the 10, the tone of this football game. And I think that would be a great start for the green Bay Packers.
1: I'm interested to see if Alan Lazard can come back this week. Technically, The team does have until the Monday after the game to reactivate Christian Kirksey and Alan Lazard. Otherwise they would be forced to put them on season ending IR. We know that's not going to happen. Lazard does a a really nice job of being kind of a, you know, an outlet, a bit of a a relief. If nobody else is open A, a great second read, especially on third down, he's such a reliable big third down target might be able to keep the passing game hot all day uh, with Lazard back, something we haven't really seen in a while.
0: It would be great to get Lazard back. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a pitch count his first game back, especially if this game isn't close. Uh, Wouldn't mind seeing him get two or three catches for, you know, 50, 60 yards, maybe a touchdown if possible. But, you know, let him be key first downs. Let him get back into the flow of things. And, you know, this uh, Jacksonville defense— if Aaron Rodgers has enough time to throw, and he should, because the Jaguars, I believe they have eight sacks all season uh, as a team through eight games. If if Rodgers has time to throw, the receivers should be open. And I can see, you know, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, if he plays, certainly, you know, Robert Tunyon and and uh, Jay Sternberger, and then the running backs. I, I could just see the Packers really moving the ball down the field with a certain amount of ease on this mediocre Jacksonville defense.
1: And the Jags will also be pretty banged up. As the Packers are starting to finally get healthier, the Jaguars are starting to miss more and more players. Uh, They're going to be without uh, linebacker Dakota Allen, most likely. Uh, Wide receiver LaVisca Chenault looks questionable. Of course, they're going to be with a backup quarterback. What I want to see from Matt LaFleur, similar to last week, is make it look easy. You and I were talking before we started recording about last year and the games that, you know, like the against Washington, against uh, the Giants, games that should not have been close twice against the Lions. It felt like they never really got going. Fortunately, we haven't really seen a lot of that this year. I'd like to see a repeat of what we saw last week where, okay, you have a clear advantage. You can get your foot on. Uh, the Ford ers next and not let up never let them get going that's what we got to see this week as well because the race for the NFC is really starting to heat up you need every win at this point there's a, a three-way tie right now for the first seed in the NFC we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show but your your playoff positioning really does matter right now and you got to balance that with the health of your team I would hate to be in a position where we are playing more banged up than we need to come January.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And and that's why I wonder if they will wait to get Christian Kirksey and Alan Lazard back on the field until after this particular game, because it, it's a non-conference game. It's a game at home against an inferior opponent on paper anyway, and... If you don't need those guys, maybe you play it safe, wait another week and make sure that they're ready for the divisional, uh, the conference game rather that you have next week. That has a lot more tie-breaking implications.
1: That might also transfer over to cornerback as well, where Jair Alexander clearly does not seem like he is in good shape to play. And the Jaguars don't have a lot of great receivers. And Kevin King, mm, very iffy. So I would not be opposed to holding him out as well. One thing I want to point out, there's a lot of familiar faces in this game. Uh, The Packers have three former Jaguars uh, as players. That would be Al Mazzard, Tyler Irvin, and Mercedes Lewis. Also, offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett came from uh, Jacksonville. And then over on the other side, playing at safety, the Jaguars have uh, former Packer Josh Jones. So this is gonna be a, a just a little bit interesting meetup. I, I imagine you'll see uh bunch of people uh you know going over and slapping each other's backs uh, you know, <laughs> despite COVID. <laughs> despite COVID. I'm uh I'm I, I always like uh, you know, these uh remember me type games. Yeah.
0: And and you know, surprisingly enough, or maybe it's not surprising. Josh Jones right now, second on the Jaguars with 61 total tackles and first in unassisted tackles or solo tackles. So I guess that says that, first of all, a lot of tackles are being made deep down the field by the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it also shows that Josh Jones has been active and playing a lot for the Jags defense this year.
1: Let's turn our attention now to the NFC race because it's heating up. There's a three-way tie at the top between the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints. If you actually check the standings on different sites, uh, apparently some of these sites don't really know how tiebreakers work because they have uh, the, the different teams ranked differently. You know, Some of them tell you that the Packers are ranked number one. Some will say the Seahawks, which I believe is the actual correct answer. And then the Buccaneers are only one game behind. Uh, all four teams only, uh, they have six wins. But the Buccaneers have not had their bye yet, so they played one more game, and so they have lost one more game. Also, the Cardinals and Rams are at 5-3. and three. The Chicago Bears, I think, is where it does kind of drop off. And to be honest, the, the Cardinals are not a team that really scares me a lot either. But the standings here, especially in a year where there's only one playoff bye, they really do matter matter here. And, man, I would love to finally get an NFC championship game hosted in green Bay. I'm tired of going other places and losing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'll take a win anywhere I can get it. But yeah, I mean, especially when you consider the, the fact that, you know, New Orleans is a dome team. Tampa Bay is a warm weather team. Uh, Seattle, you know, yeah, it gets pretty cold up there, but I don't think they want to come to Lambeau in January. And, and I'm not worried about Philadelphia, to be honest with you. <laughs> or I mean, or
1: whoever wins that dumpster division. It could that's be right. Someone's,
0: someone's going to get six or seven wins and make the playoffs, and that's ridiculous. But that's, hey, it, it happens every once in a while. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I mean, yes, getting home field advantage. It's not quite as important this year because there are few, if any, fans in most stadiums right now. But you still would much rather have these teams, especially, you know, some of these warm weather or dome teams come up to Green Bay in February or January and try to fight the weather.
1: And don't forget what happened last year when the Seahawks had to come to Green Bay in January. I like the I like the end result of that game.
0: (laughs) Yes, it was rather satisfying.
1: Well, you and I have actually kind of some strongish opinions about who the team to beat is. And so we decided, since we were talking about it anyways, we like to have a debate on the show every week. Really sad to have to report that, uh, Gil, you have a two-game winning streak here against me. I I won the the debate before that, but I need to get back on top here. I'm going (laughs) to make my case. I'm going to make my case today that the Saints are the team to beat in the NFC. They've been missing Michael Thomas for forever and it clearly has hampered their offense. They it's not looked the same. Uh they're not putting up the kind of numbers that they usually do. Uh you look at, you know, some of these final scores, they're getting to 27 points here, uh, a couple 30 point games, 24 against the Raiders when they lost. It's it's not the same when Michael Thomas isn't there. And I think we've we've seen that the Buccaneers are not – they're not that incredible. Uh, people talk a lot about how good their defense is. Compared to past years, You know, everybody knows that defenses around the league really are struggling. Uh, the, the Packers are the 19th, I think, best defense in the league, and if you've watched the Packers play, 19 feels way too high. <laughs> the Buccaneers are, are – they're – I don't I don't want to completely diss them and say that they're not playing good defense like I will about the Seahawks. That's horrible defense right there. <laughs> that's that's a record setting bad defense. Yep. But but the Bucks I I just you look at some of the teams that they have beaten. Uh you know the the Packers. I mean they're scrubs, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> now now. But, but uh That was clearly a fluke game when they, when, you know, they, they managed to get Aaron Rodgers seeing ghosts really early on and he never looked the same, but you look at, you know, the other teams that they have beaten, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Giants, the Panthers, come on, how impressive is that really? They lost to the bears. They, they were only able to put up 19 points against the bears they allowed 20 points to the Bears. That's I don't, I don't know if you realize, that actually is pretty bad. The Bears have a terrible, terrible offense. Uh, some of these games, they've been struggling to get to 14 points, the Bears have. you know, They, they, they did put up uh, 30 points against the Falcons, one of the worst defenses in the entire league. But outside of that, they're struggling to uh, put up any kind of real numbers at all. The Buccaneers allowed 20 to him, and they couldn't match that. To me, the Saints, if they are allowed home field advantage, are wicked dangerous. I'm not really scared of Drew Brees coming up to Lambeau in the in the freezing temperatures outside. But at home, in his cozy Superdome in down in Louisiana, that is not a matchup I like at all. And one last point here. Seattle they have an amazing quarterback and DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett they are great receivers outside of that this team has nothing if you can slow down their offense at all this is not a scary team because you can do whatever you like to their defense what do we always say defense wins championships they don't scare me in the NFC championship game
0: I tell you, I, I am going to go with Seattle to me as the team I'm worried about the most right now. And I think the reason is, you know, right now, Aaron Rodgers' number one competitor for league MVP has got to be Russell Wilson. And Wilson is, you know, 28 touchdown passes through eight games. He has a 117.1 quarterback rating. And he's one of those guys. And we almost saw it last year in the playoffs where, you know, the Packers had this comfortable lead and everything seemed okay in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, you turn around and Russell Wilson slowly gets his team back into the game. And and the Packers needed that controversial first down in the last minute and a half or so by Jimmy Graham. Who's he Uh, (laughs) to clinch that win? So, I mean, Russell Wilson is Right now, one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks in the league. You talked about Lockett and Metcalf, two outstanding receivers with size, the ability to get deep, uh, smart receivers. Uh, Their offense is unquestionably capable of putting up bunches of points on everyone. The defense, yeah, it's a problem right now, but there is talent here. And I think that they will start to improve in the second half of the season, especially as defenses kind of start catching up a little bit, uh, which we're starting to see a little bit more around the league. And there is still talent on this defense. You still have Bobby Wagner in the middle of that defense. You have Shaquille Griffin. Uh, they do get uh, a fairly decent pass rush. The, the problem right now has been their secondary part of that is due to injury. If their defense can just become average to slightly below average. This is a team with that explosive offense that they have and with a quarterback who is elite as Russell Wilson is that can beat anybody and and the other thing is, you know, you talked about home field advantage. Yeah, I don't want to go down to the to the Superdome in New Orleans and play indoors against Drew Brees but I also don't want to go up to Seattle uh, in the wind and the rain and the cold and face Russell Wilson. And if there are fans there, which I don't think there will be, but even with reduced capacity, the fans in Seattle have a reputation for being among the loudest in the National Football League. So I, I mean, I guess the bottom line is Russell Wilson is dangerous. Their offense is explosive. If their defense can be average or even a little below that they can beat anybody on any given Sunday. I I would be most concerned with the Seattle Seahawks right now.
1: I will just add this defense is so historically bad right now. They have (laughs) a lot of catching up to do to even get to just slightly below average and they can't run the football either. So you're, you're banking on just Russell Wilson scrambling and passing to try and beat every team uh, in the playoffs I I like our odds against Seattle more than against Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Jared Cook, and their pretty scary defense down in New Orleans. But we want you to weigh in, fans. Please head over to Twitter. You can check us out at Leahy L-A-H-E-Y, or at Gil Packers, and we will post a poll where you can vote who had the better argument. Do you think the Seattle Seahawks or the New Orleans Saints? are the more terrifying team when it comes to these NFC standings. That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Please follow us on Twitter. Again, that's at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go!
0: Go pack go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com.